how will Kyle Shanahan incorporate Trey Lance into the offense this year, if at all? Uh, will a Niners defense and offense actually uh, bounce back uh, to 2019 form following pretty devastating and injury-plagued uh, 2020 season? Then, uh, can the Niners run game still be as potent with a new rotation of running backs? We'll discuss all these questions and more uh, on today's preview of the San Francisco 49ers. It's 2021 preseason time. We're previewing all 32 teams to get you set up for mid-September. So let's kick it off and start talking about 49ers. Let's set the stage, look back to 2020, Ooh. and kind of discuss our preliminary kind of key takeaways from uh, last year. And I think it was, you know, pretty dominated by injuries. And that's kind of common narrative that, you know, we're kind of always talking about on a team by team basis as we go through these team previews. But the Niners were certainly one of the most ravaged teams out there on both sides of the ball. Jimmy G only played a handful of games. Nick Mullins played the most games at quarterback. CJ Beathard was also in there playing a couple games. The entire backfield uh, was constantly rotating through uh, different starters. Uh, all of them got hurt throughout the course of the season. Jarek McKinnon was in and out. Kevin Coleman was in and out. Raheem Mostert was in and out. Jeff Wilson was in and out. Uh, the offensive line started to get dinged up. Uh, the defense was just absolutely ripped to shreds. And of course, that was one of its primary strengths in 2019 and was certainly not so last year. Nonetheless, unlike Many of the teams that we've talked about that really struggled with injuries, the Niners weren't overcome with injuries in the to the extent that it made them, you know, a pathetic offense or a pathetic defense. In fact, they were still they were still, you know, pedestrian. You know, uh, could still score some points. Uh, of course, the Vegas estimated wins going into last year were 10 and a half for the Niners, given such an injury-plagued season that was going to be unrealistic. So they ended the season going 6-10, but 7-9 and nine ATS, so outperformed from an ATS perspective vis-a-vis straight-up record. Uh, average margin of victory only minus one point, so played competitively. Uh, average cover just minus a point as well so we're competitive of course also from the spread even though they went seven and nine kind of could have went uh either way realized strength of schedule 14th so again wasn't an easy schedule wasn't a super tough schedule uh what are some of your kind of key takeaways from last year zach um well one of one of my takeaways is i think is a testament to you know how good of a coaching staff and an organization um 49ers really is last year was kind of an exemplary yeah. performance because you know it's easy when everything's good and everything's easy like it like it's easy to assume that is like 
the outlier is the reality. But I think this downside outlier shows that, man, 49ers still won six games with four, you know, what, three different quarterbacks, five different running backs, an entire injured defense throughout the season, like starting very early in the season, too. They lost George Kittle. They lost Bosa. I mean, they lost all their best players. Yeah, Debo Samuel missed the first three games. And then I think he only played seven games total. Yeah. So to me, the biggest testament to the Niners from last year is just how impressive the team management was. Because once we get to the stats on the next page, you'll see that, I mean, the 49ers offense was still decent. The defense was still decent. And to be able to pull that off with a bunch of backups essentially throughout the season just is is a very who lacked chemistry as well all kind of had to be an ongoing kind of rotation of of different players so it's trying to learn how to play together on a rolling basis and and in a COVID year so there wasn't even the reps Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. preseason to get these guys acclimated to the team so yeah that's my biggest takeaway is that it really solidified my high um I guess consideration for Kyle Shanahan's specifically and obviously kind of like the GM and front office um, Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. Um, it also speaks to their depth mm -hmm. you know um to be able to still trot on the field second third fourth stringers again and still be competitive yeah so uh most teams you know who were ravaged with injuries especially at the quarterback position uh you know could barely put together competitive games i'm thinking like the eagles or the cowboys or even the bengals yeah uh you know just didn't have you know we're constantly going through a rotating cycle of different quarterbacks and you would have some just real nasty ugly performances that were hard to watch uh but the Niners always, you know, didn't really matter who they were playing, especially from a from a spread perspective. You know, were always, uh, you know, an eligible option uh, because of such a strong coaching staff. What I am concerned about, though, is everyone just assumes that the Niners are going to be healthy this year, hmm. and that they're going to there for a return to form. From 2019, when they went to the Super Bowl, played the Niners or played the Chiefs, and were winning for 85% of that game, and that that that's going to be the Niners team that we see this coming year. Uh, and so we can talk a little bit, talk about more about that as, as we move on. But I think just yeah, it's the take the takeaways from last year is even if the Niners get ravaged by injuries again this year, which is not to say that they aren't going to, maybe not to this extent. Because again, the COVID year also made teams extra vulnerable to injuries. And that's one of the reasons why we saw so many uh, across so many different teams last year. But the Niners have been in the bottom half of the league when it comes to injuries. So looking at starters who have missed games for every single year that Kyle Shanahan has been coached. So it's like, what's the strength and conditioning program look like out in California over there in San Francisco? Like what, what's going on? Because there's been a pattern of this team kind of dealing with injuries. Uh, and obviously 2019 was probably, you know, one of the, the years that they were the healthiest, 
but I think it's unwise to look at the 49ers going into 2021 and start to position your bets around the assumption that this team is going to be healthy like 2019, when in fact, the bias should be that this team is going to deal with injuries uh, again. Well, and to speak on that real quick is I believe last I heard, you know, they've had a lot of injuries in the offseason already uh, via the, the defense. So, you know, to your point, they may not be out of the woods quite yet as far as dealing with key players being injured and in and out of lineups. So, mm -hmm. um, But anything as far as the chart from last year, it looks like when looking at it, I didn't see much as far as any kind of signal based. Um, and for those who can't see it, um, it doesn't look like there's much support beyond 15, 20% on throughout the season, like maybe a couple times. Um, so it seems like, you know, obviously probably due to the injury bug that the 49ers were not really a bet on team um, compared to other teams in the NFL. Um, besides maybe a couple outlier weeks and maybe a little bit later in the season, but yeah, through the first half of the season, it was pretty steady under 15% support. Um, yeah, they weren't a very popular team uh, in the betting markets uh, pretty much across the whole season. Uh, we can see that they've pretty much eclipsed the 20% support mark only maybe three times, decisively twice. Uh, it looks like week 15, they got uh, uh, close there, uh, but almost over the course of the whole first half of the season, um, pretty much consistently around 15% or lower. So when you don't have that volatility in market expectations, you know, overshooting to the upside and overshooting to the downside, you know, and you're trying to capture, you know, mispricings, uh, you know, you need that type of volatility for kind of the strategies that we've been talking about uh, to be profitable. And we can just kind of see across the, the Niners uh, in 2020, there just wasn't the same type of volatility that we've seen um, from from other teams. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so I don't think there's much to take away from, from this from last year. So if we look at real quick before we move ahead to 2021, um, some general stats to kind of touch on. Like we said to open, you know, the offense was, you know, scoring 23 points per game. The defense was giving up 24 points per game. So, I mean, they really were close to an average team despite the injury bug. Um, but as far right, so outperform. Outperform yeah. given the player personnel on the field. And from a player personnel perspective, from a going into the season, you would have to think that if, if we tallied every team's starters per minutes played, Niners had what you would have suspected would have been like one of the worst teams in the NFL last year, just from a personnel standpoint. Go like obviously, I think like you said, maybe the backups are better than people think because the management knows how to source good players. But mm -hmm. going into the season, you would have been like, wow, that team is awful. They should be ranked 31st next to the Jets, but they weren't. So um, yeah, it's a good a good thing to keep in the back pocket for later. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, Nick Mullins, again, played the most games for the Niners at quarterback last year. And he is now the third stringer, maybe, on the Eagles. So 
he might not even make the team. He didn't look good in the first preseason game. Uh, and so it just kind of goes to show. And I got CJ Beathard. He's also a backup on the Jags. So just kind of the Kyle Shanahan magic of really making the best out of an unfortunate situation and kind of getting the best out of his players, you know, is really impressive uh, with what they've been able to do. And now, of course, you know, maybe if we if we move on to the next slide and kind of talk a little bit about some of the changes that they made this year, not a lot of dramatic change. I would say, obviously, the key addition was the trade up in the draft and trading two, two uh, future first round draft picks for uh, and a third round pick for uh, essentially what turned out to be Trey Lance uh, from North, North Dakota State. Only played a year of college football. Didn't play last year. Played one game uh, due to the uh, COVID and, and the cancellation of, of the season. And so there's a lot of questions just around, you know, just limited game tape, limited on the field performance. Obviously, Trey Lance, you know, 6'4", 260 pounds, like it looks like an ideal physical specimen for the type of quarterback that you want in today's game. He's mobile you know, he's got, you know, a, a strong arm. Um, again, I can't be like bullish or bearish on him. I just feel like there's not what I would say is I probably trust that the Niners levered up mm. to take him, which means that they must have had a lot of conviction. Mm. And obviously they have far more data than I do. Well, and I trust kind of just the overall evaluation skill set mm -hmm. of the Niners front office and of Kyle Shanahan. So I'll lean towards they know what they're doing. Well, and, and to that point, I, I just had a kind of an epiphany based on thinking through the Trey Lance pick for this organization. And that is, he kind of reminds me of, and it's more so applying to Justin Fields, like compared to maybe like an RG3 that like, maybe he does come in and he has a great year this year, but then maybe he like bombs the future, you know, like yeah. kind of like a one and done QB with all the hype. But maybe Trey Lance, because wasn't Kyle Shanahan the the OC of um, Washington with Mike yeah. Shanahan when they drafted RG3? And remember, they drafted to spite Dan Snyder, more or less, who you know got Kirk Cousins in what the third round that same draft, which is completely yeah. bonkers when you really think about the context of that. Um, but you know, to go for this type of quarterback without this. You know, he didn't play last year. He only played one year of college. You know, this prototypical, like, ooh, you know, he's got all the sexy things that a quarterback should have type stuff. You know, for Kyle Shanahan to do that when him and his dad basically were like, we don't want RG3, we want Kirk Cousins. It makes me think that the whole Kyle Shanahan drafts the same type, like he loves the same type of Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins type quarterback. He threw, basically threw that out. I mean... Trey Lance is, is a, a totally different style quarterback. And so it to me, it suggests that besides le over leveraging to like get Trey Lance and surprising everyone who thought he was going to get, they were going to get Mac Jones is like, there's something there. 
because of the history of Kyle Shanahan's quarterbacks and then why this quarterback, why now? And so either it was a complete desperation move, which seems odd because like you said, two, two years ago, they were in the Super Bowl, you know, if they're healthy, you know, they could be right back in the mix. But they didn't. They, they, they basically mortgaged their future and said, we're going all in, chips all in, even with an already decent, good team with good coach, good organization on Trey Lance. And, move, and probably paid too high of a price to, to move up that high. They probably didn't even need to do that. That's how bad they wanted him. So re, regardless of what we think he is or isn't going to be, they think, I think, based on their moves and their history, that he is a potential more Russell Wilson than RG3. Obviously, Russell Wilson's like 5'10". You know, like, as, as but as far as like leading a team for a decade type quarterback. So my question is, when is Jimmy G going to get traded? Yeah. And, you know, this creates this trade. The fact that they have like they have Jimmy G, who I feel like again, he can't stay healthy. So that's the primary kind of downside of him. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Niners organization felt comfortable making this type of trade. Also, this is the type of trade that we've been seeing more and more often in the NFL. Um, and I feel like most teams have gotten way less than, than like they've rolled the dice. Trey Lance obviously has massive upside. Like, so this could be a great trade, especially relative to, I mean, the Rams basically did this for Jalen Rams. The Bears did it for Khalil Mack. Uh, and not that those aren't great players and that those aren't players that made material contributions to their team, but neither one of those players is going to change the trajectory of an organization. Yeah. Obviously the quarterback position can. Yeah. So by adding Trey Lance, maybe it doesn't work out, but it's not this crazy sort of overly leveraged trade desperation that you talk about maybe that maybe could have been seen as desperate and too aggressive five six years ago this is a trade that people are making more and more often uh, yeah. in in the league and also teams are getting sharper at being able to isolate talent later on in drafts mm -hmm. as well um so again like i don't feel strongly one way or the other on trade lines. again i would lean towards I mean, he looks like he should be a great quarterback. That's certainly not sufficient. But I trust smart people. So, and I think Kyle Shanahan, and, and again, the Niners front office is one of the sharper uh, personnel managers in the league. And so I, I'll lean towards them. What I would say is, is because you still have Jimmy G though, and you still plan on, at least the plan is to start him this year um creates a weird environment of where the writing's basically on the wall like jimmy g like you're not the long-term answer here you're probably you know a lame duck quarterback yeah. maybe you get this year if the niners win the super bowl with jimmy g he's not coming back next year yeah because what they're basically trying to do i feel like is just do a, a chiefs Alex Smith with Mahomes on the bench 
And it really doesn't matter what you do this year. Like you're gone next year because we got the future, you know, sitting on the sidelines. And it doesn't matter what you do this year. Basically, we just want to extract the most value from you. We want to put you on a pedestal, show you off to the league and try to trade you and get as much in return as possible. I don't know how motivating that is for the player. I think, I mean, so, I, I, but to answer that real quick, I think that's definitely motivating just because if I know I'm going to be, you know, traded, like go find a, sign a new contract, you know, I'm, I'm, I may be playing more for myself, but I'm definitely going to like try to prove them wrong. I think that's probably the greatest motivation gen in general for most people is. But, but are you going to try down. and put yourself in positions of injury and like really go out and sacrifice your health for this organization to win games when you know you're not going to be even a part of it anymore but like basically you're on the outside looking in right now and like you're gone you are gone but so let's sacrifice it all he's made his money but from two two sides of it, one, just from a competitor standpoint, you know, it depends what type of competitor Jimmy G really is. I, if he's a true competitor, it it doesn't really matter. Like you're always competing and you're in it to win it. Um, on the other side, like kind of like I mentioned, I think it, if he's, you know, he he wants to prove him wrong. He wants to show, you know, just like anybody, like oh, you, you know, like let's use Aaron Rodgers as the example. Like, oh, Jordan Love, you drafted this fool. Like, I'm like the best quarterback of all time. Like, are you dumb? Like, are you dumb? I'm in my prime. Like, just give me some weapons and I'm going to become MVP and take you to NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. So, Although I'm, I think that that's a far different dynamic. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I think in Jimmy G's case, you know, mentality-wise, the only way I think it comes into play, kind of to your point, is as the season drags on and if the team is somewhat injured, offensive line gets beat up, and... He's, the writing's on the wall then, but then at that point he might be benched anyways. So I, to me, it's not relevant mm. ultimately. But so I would say the the broader macro call here is in in you know as we kind of move on and look at the schedule, the schedule does look favorable. But what I would say is the takeaway here from me is I'm bearish on the Niners because of this weird dynamic in the locker room and if trey lance looks even decently good in the preseason and puts even more pressure on kind of like him looking and just kind of tempting kyle shanahan and the rest of the organization be like let's just let's just this just, is rip the bandaid off let's just put him in that it's going to not going to be a disaster, but they're not going to go over 10 and a half wins. So when we look at what the Niners are priced at now, these are overly bullish estimate estimations in my, in my view. So Vegas estimated wins 10 and a half. Again, we talked about SMA strength of schedule though, ostensibly 30 seconds. So it has a very attractive schedule so that it can help, but we know that's not always a uh accurate you know post hoc realization of what the the actual strength schedule could be these teams can be better or worse etc regardless 
I think that, you know, Trey Lance, so we've already seen one preseason game and he put together some pretty great highlights. But if you watch the game, which I did, he got sacked four times. So, and a lot of, almost all of them were quarterback sacks, holding out of the ball too long. That's, and shoot, that's fair. It's not like a necessarily an, an egregious criticism. This is a rookie in the very first game, you know, the game is fast. Uh, comes up at them a little bit sooner than expected. They get sacked. We kind of saw that across the board and in, in, through a lot of rookies in the pre first preseason game. But again, he threw a long touchdown. He like let another touchdown drive. And like that was basically the main kind of mainstream takeaways. They don't talk about the four sacks. They don't talk about the fumble that they then recovered. So again, it didn't really show up meaningfully in the stance. And then also he should have thrown a pick. That was like just dropped by the cornerback. And again, it's just for first preseason game. So I'm not trying to get ahead of it and like say, like, man, he's going to suck. What I'm saying is the narrative from the first preseason game is, damn, like they need to get Trey Lance in there ASAP. And that is a false narrative. So if there is any sort of pressure to put him in there prematurely, it's, again, he's going to be able to put some highlights together mm. for sure. Because again, it's still Kyle Shanahan. Again, what look what he's been able to do with Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, etc. So, and also he seems like very excited to use a mobile quarterback with CJ Beathard, Nick Mullins, Jimmy G. You know, they're all kind of like replicas of one of them. So this seems like an exciting new tool for him to use. And it is exciting to potentially see how he could use that tool. And again, they have potent kind of wide receivers at their disposal, great scheming, absolutely. But 10 and a half wins? No, that's your, I think I think you're right. I think to your point from the 10 and a half win standpoint, I mean, they, they also play in probably, I think is what's gonna be the, the toughest division in football, um, which is gonna be hard to get to 10 wins anyways is you might as well then i mean what to make the playoffs is minus 200 i, I like the the no at plus 150 actually yeah, yeah I, I think true. you're right I, I guess i guess the thing is is they do the 32nd rank schedule so if that like to your point if that stays 32nd by the end of the season so i guess that's their pathway to getting over 10 and a half and getting to the playoffs but i think you're right they're just the kind of you know they're still having some injury issues um, and again, they could just be the players they, they choose are have a lot of upside, have a lot of talent, and a lot of the reason they're able to get them is because teams don't want to take the risk on those types of injury-prone players, right? Like, mm -hmm. that, that could be a part of the equation. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I don't think I could take a, a Niners over or playoff run. It's just there's too much, I think, volatility within the team. And then obviously... Um, with the quarterback situation, especially. Yeah. But from a... But I mean, hey, the, the Niners could still be an exciting team mm -hmm. to watch and to bet on. And and again, giving a strong, deep-armed, mobile quarterback to Kyle Shanahan in this offense seems exciting. And I would be maybe, again, and if we see positive signs from them, could be bullish longer term, but the 
the expectation for this year is already now so high. This is one of the, the biggest wins we've seen. Yeah, like fifth, I think fifth. I, there's yeah, only like five teams with yeah, that's, bigger win that's, totals. That's, but again, it, it's, it, and again, it, to it, your point, playing in one of the most difficult yeah. divisions in football. I mean, again, they're playing the Texans-Lions. So if we look through the schedule, Lions, Eagles, all right, so easier. Yeah. If anything, this plays against them, the sense of, well, if you're not just going to put Trey Lance out there right away, then you're going to give Jimmy G these easier games. First of all, I I do think that, you know, like we've talked about, I think maybe with some previous teams, maybe the Saints. You know, we were talked about how they could use like this, like weird kind of hybrid quarterback rotation type thing. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the Niners maybe didn't do a full quarterback rotation type scheme, but like, I just feel like Kyle Shanahan, you know, they, they did all these draft picks. There's all this media hype. All the fans want Trey Lance. Jimmy G is injury prone. Like he's just looking for any way possible to get Trey Lance onto the field. It'll be interesting to see how they, how they, you know, kind of leverage um, you know, different types of maybe, you know, really creative and, and imaginative play calling kind of using a dual kind of quarterback scenario. And I, and I mean, I think Sean Payton has kind of proven that it's possible to make it work by kind of putting in a Taysom Hill, who's not even really a good quarterback at all, but um, putting in that kind of, you know, alt quarterback at times, just switch up how defenses have to play your offense and and to game plan which you know t- if you have to game plan for multiple things it takes away your prep time for your kind of a game plan with drew Brees, right so yeah maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's a new trend that we're going to see more of this year is a willingness for teams to maybe you know put in the, the quicker young young gun with quick feet type quarterback um mm-hmm. but yeah as, as far and, as and when i look at this schedule i, I don't see it's like this ballot. It's it's either they're playing one of the worst teams in the NFL or one of the best teams in the NFL. Mm. And so, you know, because they, they got the Lions, the Eagles, the Jags, the Texans, Bengal. Ooh, Falcons. I mean, the Falcons are not going to be the fourth worst team no, no. in the NFL. Or in the NFC South. They're going to be much better. Um, and again, you still got Seahawks twice, Rams twice, obviously, Cardinals twice. And then outside of that, you know, still have the Packers, the Colts, especially by week seven, they're playing the Colts. So Carson Wentz, if he, you know, again, it's unknown when he's going to, he's going to play week one, is he not? If he doesn't play week one, he probably doesn't play until week four uh, or five, whatever. He's definitely going to be playing by week seven. So not an ideal time to be playing the Colts. I'm slightly more bullish on the Bears than than the market. Um, I we're both bu- a lot more bullish on the Vikings than the market. So you know this this is not the easiest schedule. Yeah. It's not a tough schedule. It definitely provides you know it's it's amenable to having a transition year yeah which is why i think that provides an opportunity for you to you know really start to incorporate trey lance in meaningful ways i mean why not why delay the inevitable yeah 
Well, and real quick to kind of, I think, wrap up on this um, is, you know, at least these preseason bread lines seem very high in favor of the Niners. Basically, to your point, the beginning of the of the recording, that, you know, the assumption is the Niners are back. They're the 13 and three Super Bowl team, which, yeah. which again, preseason that year, nobody had that except, well, you, you predicted it, but that Brett um so the, the lines are in my opinion way too high like I, I think more of these should be closer to you know three or under but yeah the assumption that what they're six point favorites versus the Cardinals I mean Niners may be the worst team in this in this uh division and still win nine games but they may be the worst team in the division so um yeah yeah indeed I don't have much more. All right. I think that that wraps up um, this episode. So we're clearly both kind of leaning towards the under on the Niners at that 10 and a half uh, win estimate. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening uh, and watching on the live stream. Uh, definitely be sure to check us out on uh, sportfoliokings.com. We'll be releasing a whole host of really interesting uh, and cool tools to help you make you know sharper, more informed decisions in uh, contests like the Super Contest and Circa, which we also just recently posted uh, a video on our YouTube channel uh, to help you decide which contest is right for you. So be sure uh, to check that out. Uh, and this is going to be a beta version of the platform. There's still a lot of work. We have so many different ideas that were kind of that are in the works. And so it's going to be a platform that we're going to continue to be building out over the course of the season. And we hope you know, that you'll be able to join right along with us, provide us some, you know, some really constructive feedback. You know, this is going to be our preseason year. Um, and, uh, you know, we're so we're good. There's going to be a lot of, you know, changes, a lot of fluidity. Um, and so, but, you know, a lot to uh, look forward to. So again, thanks for listening. Um, we'll see you on the other side. It's closing bell. And of course, King me. <laughs> <laughs>